0: Finally, we're getting to our 2022 predictions. Last couple days on the show, we have given you guys the preamble, how Julie and I went about formulating what our predictions were going to be, why we thought what we thought. And we also gave you the breadcrumbs if you wanted to go and do the research yourself. Julie and I spent a lot of time researching a lot of different, I think, corners of the internet to uh, discover the, um, the countervailing opinions about the economy and housing and all the rest of it. But the truth is, is very, very rarely do Julie and I rely on anything that's sourced from the real estate industry (laughs) because the real estate industry is basically like an echo chamber. So we do intentionally go and we look at other things that have nothing to do with the industry. And then we'll apply a little bit of, you know, maybe logic and a little bit of conjecture. And then we come up with our opinions. So some of the things we're going to be talking about over the next, well, probably over the rest of this week, Mm -hmm. about our 2022 real estate predictions, they're going to be unconventional in the sense that if you're just reliant on going to NAR and Inman and the usual sure. you know, websites, which are fantastic for your content, these are going to seem a little bit more cerebral and that's by design. So have your mind open to what we're going to be sharing with you. And again, we're going to give you guys the um, our opinions or our predictions and then we're going to tell you why we might be wrong.
1: Yes, that's but, right. So we can have kind of a balanced approach here. But I would say, generally speaking, we are quite positive about 2022 and moving forward into the near future.
0: Oh, remember Julie said that. I never would have said I was quite positive about 2022. Well,
1: I mean, with regards to housing. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> you never well, know about the rest of the picture. Julie said
0: to me prior to starting the podcast, this is what she said to you listeners. She said, Tim, I struggled a little bit with coming up with the counterbalance uh, to our um, our uh, predictions. Remember, we said we we're going to tell you our predictions and tell you we might be wrong. So Julie said that she had a hard time coming up with why we might be wrong about some of our predictions. So Which I'm sounds just,
1: kind of arrogant, but they were so logical to me that, you know, I I don't know, we'll see how it goes. So But
0: it is important though. Yeah. You have to admit to sure. make sure you don't ha- you're not so dug in on your opinion Absolutely. because if you are, then you're going to it it always goes back in my mind. You, you know, you and I are business owners and we are you know, been doing this forever, 3 decades, and I always and when we sold real estate, um, if you get stuck in a, essentially a pattern for too long, not a pattern of behavior. So patterns of behavior get you to where you want to be. Maybe it's, you know, we are big advocates of, uh, you know, choosing three to five things every single day leading with proactive lead generation. You know, we want you to be proactively generators, but here's the thing that can happen. You might be saying something that worked maybe five years ago in a certain way and all of a sudden it's not working as well and so you have to upgrade what you're saying or how you're saying it. And there's a lot of reasons and it's just tiny little subtle things that might subconsciously uh, trigger something in the seller's mind because remember we focus on helping you guys become listing agents that will make you seem old or obsolete or not quite you know, not up to it.
1: date like right. you're not paying attention or something you're kind of stuck in maybe three to five years ago something like that and a
0: lot of people do that and it's natural and normal to do that just because it becomes comfortable and you say well if it worked for this long but it's really a i think a pan a, a plague really not even a pandemic a pandemic of problems for people who buy their business you guys who buy your business what you have to acknowledge the fact that's virtually all of you listening you're those of you who are not proactive lead generators, you're the ones that are going to run into a constant wall of obsolescence because everything technologically is gonna be changing so fast. I'm not gonna jump on any of our points, but everything's gonna be changing so fast, not just as uh, pertains to real estate, but across the world. We're talking about, you know, Julie and I were uh, predicting back in when the pandemic hit, well, truthfully, probably about 69 days after the pandemic hit. And we started, we had time to do our homework. Like historically, when there's a pandemic, what happens following a pandemic? It's usually some form of a renaissance and there's absolutely no doubt in our minds um, that we were, that, you know, why did we predict that? Well, it's because we wanted to feel optimistic because we were looking for a bright side of all those you know gray days. Um, but also frankly, because we are starting to see signs of it. So were you, uh, technological changes, health changes, hell, even the vaccine. And now, um, Pfizer came out and they're getting the FDA to approve this uh, pill that you can take. If you are showing signs, if you actually have uh, COVID or the, you know, any of the variants of COVID, you could take this vaccine. I think it's after you get it. Yeah. I'm sorry. A pill. Yeah. What's it? What? Three days? I think it's within
1: three days of testing positive. And
0: it's as as effective as like the vaccines themselves. So there you go. I mean, in essence, guys, I don't mean to sound political and everyone in their mind gets triggered one way or the other when we talk about COVID. But the reality of it is, is we're rounding the bend on the pandemic. It's going to be effectively over. If you didn't want to take the vaccine in the first place, well, then you are an outlier. Now, if you don't, if you happen to get COVID and you don't want to take the pill at some point, societally, we just need to say, Buena Suerte.
1: Exactly. You're which your means own. good luck in Do Spanish, your thing. Right. Right.
0: <laughs> right so that's exactly. my point of it is, is that there's no doubt that what we're going to be experiencing are a essentially multifaceted uh, renaissance of not just ways that people uh, live and interact, but also the way people think. And this goes back mm-hmm. to my my point about you know scripts, and this goes back to my point about you and how you present yourself. You're going to have to be upgrading yourself faster than ever before. You know, I'm 51. And it had come it was normal for and especially where you're from when you're from Ohio, right? Things kind of go slow.
1: They go slower for sure.
0: I mean, the old joke was for that sure. the world ever came to an end, and you live in Ohio, you're good. You you're still good. got another. You it's not still, coming
1: to you anytime soon. You still got
0: another five to ten years of exactly. the world's coming. Well, to and an when end. we go
1: back to visit, don't we always see the same? The same shops have been in the same places for decades.
0: And people are like. What do you mean Ronald Reagan's not president anymore? <laughs> I know, I know. <laughs> well, so anyway, yeah. let's get to our first. Okay. Um, we're gonna, so here, to, here they are, our 2022 predictions. And uh, do discuss these. We're posting our videos now on YouTube and getting some more of you guys uh, viewing them. So share in comments. Let's get this conversation started. And really, I want you guys to help us drill down on why we might be wrong, because that's where Julie and I struggled. And hopefully it's not our own Indeed. arrogance, hubris, and ignorance. No, it's getting our own I'm way. I'm open. I, you know, I I'll like read to. the first one, Jules. Okay. All, All right. factors um, indicate a strong housing market in 2022 and going forward. Uh, there will be some cooling, but no crash is expected. And by some cooling, we're expecting there to be, well, I mean. We'll talk about it in future points. It's, By some cooling, we expect there to be a mild cooling in some particular markets. But for the most part, what we're looking at is a long-term, sustainable housing market that's going to be in favor of sellers. And there's really no reason to believe that's going to stop anytime soon. Uh, Prediction number two, duh, right? No big surprise there. Prediction number two, Julie.
1: Yes. So when we didn't talk about why we might be wrong, but it'll go into that. Okay. So point number two, homes will continue to appreciate but likely in the single digits versus the double that we've seen recently. Though there's some disagreement on the rate of increase, there's actually quite a bit of uh, fluctuation on what people are predicting, everyone does agree that appreciation will continue.
0: Now, I'm going to give you the uh, the, the overarching reason why there's uh, disagreements with mm-hmm. what the appreciation rates or inflation rates are going to be, and then we'll give you our opinion. So number one, there's a lot of debate as to whether or not the Fed's going to be able to raise uh, interest rates in a meaningful way as uh, just across the board, but especially with mortgages, and you're already hearing the stories on Inman and CNBC about mortgage refinance apps and new mortgage apps increasing. But what they're forgetting—I'm sorry, decreasing—but what they're forgetting is that it's also a basically Thanksgiving. And of course, there's going to be fewer people trying to refinance or even, you know, get a new mortgage this time of year.
1: And a ton of people have already refinanced.
0: But the other reason is is because there's a, what you're dealing with is politics. The, the um, how do we say it? the the left side of the argument or the the Fed the if you're a believer in the Fed right uh, Kensing Kansi, what's Key- it Keynesian Keynesian economics you believe that the Fed is going to be able to raise rates and slow the economy down and that sort of makes sense but the problem is is if the raise if the rates are increased Julian I shared the statistic with you guys yesterday and the day before that the amount of money here it actually actually is I'll, mm-hmm. I'll read you guys this point. Um, the, re- the amount of money that the Fed is going to have to pay in interest will be $330 billion extra in interest payments. I believe that was per month if rates were to only increase by 1%. So if the Fed allows rates to rise, they're also going to be increasing the cost of the debt service. The Democrats and the, and the you know, people that were firm believers in the power of the Fed and we could just print money until the cows come home – They were saying, well, it's not about the size of the debt, the trillions of dollars that it is now. It's about the debt service, right? So the way they could rationalize the amount of debt that the country had, and you heard him say this, is who cares how much we owe? Who cares how much money is out there? And, um, you know, in the uh, in the debt that we're having to service, it's the cost of the debt service that we really have to focus on. It's a payment
1: on. argument at the end of the day. Exactly.
0: I mean, really, truthfully. But that so at, at what's we're going to see now is we're going to see that they're going to say, well, let's just raise the conventional way like what Paul Volcker did back uh, in the 80s when the interest rates were, you know, double digits. And, the, you know, we are very much dealing with inflation coming out of the Carter administration and then essentially raised the rates, slowed the economy down, and did the things that no one was willing to do. Can't do that now because the amount of debt that we have and the amount that that will increase the cost of the debt service. So what we're going to most likely be stuck in right now is a perpetual low interest rate environment, which will then basically cause asset prices, including real estate, to continue to increase in dramatic ways, uh, which is going to cause other problems which we're gonna to get to, for example, home affordability, uh, home affordability. But when you look at the statistics, here are the statistics, Goldman Sachs predicts a 16% increase in home values in 2022. We need to be careful using the word inflation or uh, appreciation. Let's just look at it as a cost of a house will increase, according to Goldman yep, Sachs, by s- price. Uh, 16%. CoreLogic says 2.2%, which frankly doesn't even make any sense. I didn't think so either. And uh, Zillow says 12%. Frankly, after what Zillow has <laughs> been doing with their own business, let's just forget using Zillow ever again for a statistical resource. Agreed. Fannie Mae says 7%. Uh, Fannie Mae, uh, most likely, Goldman is the most accurate on all this. And here's the reason why. Is because the inflation rate right now, according to the government, is already six percent. And if you look at the new information that's coming out, the amount of inflation that's entering into essentially the you know, everything is increased. Have you guys seen anything was cheaper? (laughs) Right? Mm -hmm. Have you gone to the store and say, damn, that's on sale? (laughs) It's less like everything is increasing in cost. And if you were to look at rent increases. So rent increases alone have already been uh, essentially uh, year over year by up by 10%. You're going to look at the cost of utilities, the cost of all these other things. Now, you're going to hear, again, people are going to start saying, well, inflation is going down. Don't listen to what talking heads who are politically motivated and have agendas are telling you. You judge by yourself. Are you paying more or less for gas? Are you paying more or less for groceries? So, again, we're not being political or judging. We're just saying be your own guru, be your own. And pay
1: guru. attention when you're out and about. Yeah. First know, principles, compare, right
0: guys, right? take care of yourselves first, use your own mind. And you're going to observe that interest, uh, that inflation is going to be here to stay. What they don't want to admit because they're being political is that inflation is not going to be transitory. Clearly it's not that it's going to be, we're in a longer term inflationary cycle. And so what the, the question is, is that how long will this inflationary cycle last? Will it last, you know, Uh, one year, two years through 22 and 23. Well, who knows, right? I mean, I don't know. Nobody really knows. But for sure, 2022 is going to see a lot of home. Julie used the word appreciation. I'll say inflation in uh, 2022. Now, why we could be wrong.
1: Well, and just to keep things in perspective, if you take a larger amount of years, historically, prices go up 33 to 3.8% year over year. That's a good comparison because, remember, we have a decade of agents and brokers who think that double digits is normal. But
0: so here's here's, again, I don't want to nerd out on you guys, but if the overall inflation rate is say three point three to three point eight percent, or two two percent to three percent, and a home increases in value every year by two to three percent. Is that really appreciation, or is that just inflation, right? Yeah. So, it, does it make sense that we're calling it appreciation in real estate, or is it truly just inflation? I, I would argue that it's inflation, and I would argue that anything above what the you know, inflation rate is might be considered appreciation. Mm-hmm. Again, nerdy stuff. You guys could forget we said it, but you know, yeah. if it's too nerdy for you, but it is fascinating because what's going on is a manipulation of facts. Um, the uh, The government it is it seems at this point can't do anything to stop the inflation, and they're going to allow. So there's, they have two choices basically. They can uh, raise interest rates, and they can slow the economy down, probably cause a really nasty uh, recession, Mm -hmm. or they can let inflation go. Those are the two options that the government has right now. Raise rates, slow it down, but they can't for reasons we just talked about, or they're going to let the inflation – they're going to just let the inflation do what the inflation is going to do. If they allow the inflation to run away – they're going to be able to pay back existing debt—the 23 or 24 trillion dollars—with inflated currency, which is going to essentially, longer term, cure the uh, national debt. It's the same reason why you guys should be borrowing money right now, which is, you know, unconventional logic. But you should be borrowing money at these low interest rates because the inflation on the asset you buy. Now, this is as pertains to purchasing real estate. The inflation on the real estate you buy will more than cover the cost of the loan. So you guys, if you're in a position that you can borrow money right now and you can uh, essentially purchase a multifamily or single family, absolutely do it. This might be one of the greatest times in history because it is safe to say five years from now, interest rates will be higher. Well, I mean, who the hell knows, really. But realistically, if they are, let's say, for example, some of you guys are worried about there being a real estate bubble let's let's just use something real you know, if there's a hundred thousand dollar house left on left in america let's <laughs> use that as an example you buy a hundred thousand dollar house the house inflates or appreciates whatever word you want to use next year to like two hundred and thirty thousand dollars whatever but then it depreciates the following year this is for you guys who are hoping for a, a you know a bust by 20 percent. you're still ahead yeah right ahead. you're still making money you know, on, on the uh, in terms of what the assets appreciated to or inflated to. Not to mention the fact because you've locked in a low thirty-year fixed interest rate and rents have gone up by ten percent or more. You're going to be making money on cash flow. You buy rental properties for depreciation, appreciation, and cash flow, right? So if you buy now and you're able to lock in a long-term interest rate, home run for you. Go yes, future you. Yes, and don't
1: forget that if you wait and now you want that same house that's two or two thirty, your down payment has increased thus making up for any savings you thought you might get. Don't forget about that, you know. So, okay, now we could be wrong if there's a war or other highly disruptive factor that throws everyone into a feeling of uncertainty. People tend to back off of making decisions like buying a house when the future is uncertain, but I think that's probably unlikely.
0: Well, there could be more black swans. I mean, technically, there's a pandemic. Technically, listen to me. <laughs> yeah. There's a pandemic every about 100 years. So let's assume that this one, for the most part, is behind us, thank God. And then now we're going to be looking at other. Uh, the, really what we're dealing with now is going to be a monetary crisis. If anything, that's the next yes. thing that all of us have to be monitoring Not a housing for. Crisis. And that's what this inflation is leading to. If If this inflation leads to something that feels a lot like hyperinflation, you guys can Google that then we're dealing with a whole different can of worms. We're not predicting that. Nowhere in our predictions will you hear that. But the reality of it is, is we're definitely in a, de- a sort of, you know, it's like a, a, a generational cycle. And this one could be more, I think, overarchingly um, uh, detrimental even than the housing crash. It's entirely
1: possible. Yes, well, I think it will be, truthfully. We'll be studying it, and we'll be talking about it on a podcast. So yeah. we'll all go through it together. Well, prediction number three, the number or velocity of sales will continue to be strong due to very stable demand. We're already seeing that there are more homes coming on the market, creating a little bit higher inventory levels. However, the days on the market are virtually unchanged. This demonstrates that demand is still higher than supply. NAR expects U.S. house sales to reach over 6 million transactions this year, the highest number since 2006. Did you put
0: anything in there about the number of agents?
1: I believe so, yes. Okay. Future points. Well,
0: I'll I'll touch on it now. So right now, some people are believing that we're a peak agent in the United States.
1: You would think since pretty much everybody you know is licensed.
0: Well, it's always been that way, but during COVID lockdowns, people people were doing what?
1: Getting no, licenses, watching <laughs> Netflix,
0: yeah, getting real estate licenses, yep. and having sex,
1: yes, and making uh, babies. I know, there's going to be a whole new baby boom.
0: <laughs> so we're we're seeing uh right exactly we're seeing a whole new baby boom. And what is this generation going to be called? I don't know. And, I know. and so we're seeing a ne- there's going to be a baby boom, but there's definitely a boom of people getting their licenses. And the states mm-hmm. were so backlogged. With people getting licenses, I think it's in California, you still have to wait 60 or 90 days just to take the test to try to pass and get a license. Florida was similar.
1: Well, we have tons of coaching clients that were getting their 20-something kids licensed.
0: Right. So is this peak agent? That's what some people are predicting. Uh, Julie and I do not think it's peak agent, and the reason we don't think it's peak agent is because you're going to be looking at a again the millennials who are growing up with a different mindset about real estate, a different expectation. It's not your fallback, your fallback, your fallback source of uh, you know career like it was, frankly, in Julie and I's generation and all the generations before. What real estate is going to be is what they aspire to be even since you know since they're little kids. And so you're going to see a lot of people obviously using it as a side hustle, but you're also going to see a lot of people using it as their primary career. It is a career. Real estate is now being taught in virtually every major university, you know, from a perspective of, I mean, they're not teaching sales skills, what they're teaching you essentially all the nuts and bolts which frankly might not even be useful for the sake of making money helping people selling real estate but it's a career path that's being acknowledged at a collegiate level which has not happened before not yes. like this
1: well and you still need to make sure that you're the one with all the skills because there will be people that have real estate just as their side hustles yeah. that so you might compete with so yeah.
0: again to julie's point the number of uh with where their sales velocity is going to stand strong there's not seemingly going to be a, an increase in new construction we've been paying very close attention to that and what Julie and I watch for that is we don't what we pay attention to when we're trying to make our predictions is we're not just looking at what the builders associations or any association anything with the word association we're not very you know they're they're political by nature right they're trying to appease the people that are paying them you know their their members right they're trying to give them mostly rosy news because otherwise, if you're part of the builders association, and the builders mm-hmm. association is saying that building a home is basically going to be uh, catastrophic to your, uh, you know, your financial future, then you're probably not going to have a lot of people renewing their memberships the following year to be part of the BIA, for example. So they're always going to be coming out with a uh, hedged information. What Julie and I look for are fundamentals. What's the cost of uh, what's the cost of labor? What's the cost of, you know, building materials? What's the cost of this? What's the cost of that? You can find all this online. So if you see an upward trajectory for the rudimentary building materials, concrete, you know, uh, wood, nails, you know, labor costs. If you see that on the in- in- incline, that's a really good indication that there is not going to be a, well, first of all, there's not going to be any new construction in the lower ends because it it's not profitable you can't do enough. It. Yep. You, you know, I don't know if you knew this, Julie, but I read this morning that in the uh, – again, not being political, guys, but in the Build Back Better – I'm not bill, whatever the heck it was. I think mm-hmm. I got it right. Yeah. There was $250 billion that was mm-hmm. set, afi- set aside for low-income housing. Mm-hmm. that they, that was going to get built
1: yeah but remember that doesn't necessarily mean houses for sale that could be rentals rentals that's what it was, right, right? That's, But so that was yeah, the government
0: that was scheming to get into basically sure. socialized housing and mm-hmm. that's and that's never freaking worked ever i know I know. any country. it's very
1: interesting right yes okay so prediction number four there will be longer days on the market this is something for all of you guys that are used to three seconds on the market you got to pay attention to this there will be longer days on the market, but not by much and nothing catastrophic, even with slightly higher inventory and more homes being built, depending on where you are in the country. NAR and CoreLogic both predict that we may reach a 2.4 month supply, but that's still really historically low. But remember, Tim, if you grew up in the past decade to 13 years, right? you think that normal days on the market is like seven or less. So two and a half months on the market may seem really you know, scary to you. I have that as a yes okay so let's see how could we be wrong well if the builders actually achieve the ability to scale up faster creating a lot of inventory that days on the market stretch out we could be wrong but there is a lot working against that as you said it's not just looking at the cost of materials you know the the cost of lumber went way up now it's come down a little bit but it's not just that it's the ability to get the lumber to the building site and Remember that this whole supply chain thing has to do with getting stuff on trucks, trucks being able to go across the country, guys being able to drive the trucks, guys being able to unload the trucks. So there's a lot of different factors. I don't think that there's a lack of willingness from the new construction and from the builders. I think they'd build it as fast as they could sell it if they could. But
0: wanted you said something that actually kind of made me laugh. It, you know, how asinine is it that they were saying – that the truck drivers were gonna be the disintermediated without, you know, I and know. now the world is like uh, dependent on them. On truck drivers, not just dependent on them, but there's not enough of them. Right. And that so these are all this is all the kind of the fallacies that get rooted out during a a bit of a crisis, right? Well, this is going you know the inflation thing is going to become a crisis, supply chain thing is a crisis, but well, truck drivers are somehow going to be magically replaced by robots that are delivering things. No one's ever really thought that through. That just sounded like some sort of fantasy. (laughs) You you can't
1: drone in five hundred pounds of lumber. I I mean.
0: Again, you, this is the reason why if you start listening, if you start hearing something on CNBC, MSNBC, Fox News, and you start hearing it over and over and over and over again, what's the genesis of whatever that piece of propaganda was? Who started it? Why did they start it? What was the point of it? And there's always an agenda that's afoot there. You need to be taking information. You need to be suggested that you need to be thinking about it. And then ask yourself, why is it that somebody wants me to believe that?
1: Exactly, so and, and most check times resources. it's pretty. When you
0: think like that, it's going to be very easy for you to root out really what the uh, what the motivation was behind the people creating it. And no, we're not conspiracy theory people. Mm-mm. We're just trying to we're just trying not to be uh, so easily manipulated. And when we're forming our opinions, especially when there's tens of thousands of you who are listening to our opinions, especially as it pertains to 2022 predictions. So before we go to our next point, I want to remind all of you, if you've not yet completed your 2022 real estate business plan, it's not too late. You can download it. It's quite easy. There's no strings attached. Just text text the numbers 2022 to 47... I'm sorry. Yes, that's right. Text the numbers 2022 to 47372. Text the numbers 2022 to 47372. And when you do, we'll text you back a link and you can download the real estate treasure map. This is the perfect activity to be doing this time of year. We suggest that you do it with your Your partner your spouse maybe even your kids if they're old enough because this is going to be your business and life plan that will guide you through what probably will be a very tumultuous year in 2022 2022 and 2023 are going to feel like essentially the same year by the way because a lot of these predictions are going to carry over to the following year as well
1: yes all right so prediction number five the first time buyer will continue to be your most frustrated buyer only 2% of transactions last year were under 200000 also, by the way, the investor's favorite price range. FHA and VA buyers still struggle to compete in nearly every market. First-time buyers need a full year longer than they did five years ago to save for a 20% down payment. Back to our previous point, the longer you wait, the bigger your down payment is going to be, so that 20% required keeps on inching up. Those of you who are in a big FHA and VA market, you've got to figure out how to get those buyers over to a conventional loan, which probably means they've got to improve their credit and have a bigger down payment.
0: Well, I'll give you the punchline to that, and I, I don't think there's any... That is a very solid uh, prediction but really the problem with that for these first-time buyers is that a lot of them are going to become long-term renters.
1: that's true they're going
0: to be priced out of the market especially if they can't get their wages to increase to get at the point where they're going to be able to afford homes and then it becomes political again how do we get more people in housing well the reality of it is is the reason that there's not a big housing crash anywhere on the horizon we talked about that yesterday is because the regulations change the guidelines change it turns out fogging a mirror wasn't going to qualify you for a mortgage. So now you have to have a you know mm-hmm. actual qualifications to obtain the loan and a down payment. So really what would, what normally would happen in a situation like what Julie just read, would there be some political, you know, um, Movement behind making it so more people can buy their first house by lowering the standards and essentially lowering the down payment requirements. Don't expect that to happen this time around.
1: Well, it already exists in the form of FHA, right? But But FHA buyers get screwed when they have to compete.
0: But this is also a problem that has to do with pricing. Mm-hmm. So even if That's you right. lower the qualifications their incomes because of the in fact that uh, essentially the cost of everything has risen so if the yeah. lender is figuring out well this person you know for let's say you're making $100,000 a year which is a great you know income from anybody really but all of a sudden, the cost of everything in your community has risen. The cost of housing has risen. You're not going to be able to afford the payment at least to meet the ratios to qualify for the mortgage. Yes. These are the things so. that happen during a, flat, a fast inflationary time. And please be clear, not transitory. What you're seeing is the resetting of prices. You're seeing a new price floor be set on homes. The, a lot of agents out there are stuck in the mud mentally and emotionally thinking that house prices are going to depreciate. Assume that's not true. Operate it as if it's not. So whatever the new price is, is what the new price is. These are just the realities of it. And there was a report that came out yesterday that said rents have increased, I said this a second mm-hmm. ago, 10% year over year.
1: Yes, you, but here's the thing. It's a great time, all of you guys listening who are licensed real estate professionals, your light bulb should be going off in your head great time to be buying those rental properties because you're going to enjoy that appreciation, low interest rates, and because there are going to be so many more uh, renters at that 10% higher rate. I mean, I know all of our rentals have gone up. So, you know, you combine all of these facts, it is a good time to be a an investor. Maybe nope. buy some of your own listings. Normally
0: we went, well, if you don't know how to be a listing agent, come right. to Julie and I will show you how to be a listing yes. agent. By the way, if you guys aren't Um, You know, frankly, chasing expires this time of year or for sale by owners or any of the other 20 sources we teach you that you are missing the boat because this is the best time of the year to be going after distressed real estate. And if you're, for example, your iBuyers are failing like Zillow failed and some of these other guys are already saying they're going to put the brakes on, go after some of the distressed stuff that they are going after. Go after the normal stuff. Build your listing inventory now. If you've not created your 2022 business plan yet, text the numbers 2022 to 47372. Um, you know what, Julie? Let's do one more.
1: Okay, one more. Let's see. Where are we at? Number All right, six. number six. Builders will continue to increase production. The Mortgage Bankers Association forecasts single family housing starts to be around one point one three four million. This could be just the the beginning, according to even higher projections for building in 2023.
0: Okay. So the reality of it is what you're going to see is an increase in construction prices or increase in new uh, construction that's more expensive. You're not going to see any kind of sizable increase in the number of uh, first-time yeah. homebuyer houses. Oh, definitely not. It's not going to happen. So again, this is going to cause the uh, first-time homebuyer houses, which in the United States is probably anything really less than maybe 400000 $425,000, which is mind-boggling, but there mm-hmm. it is. Those house prices are going to see the most demand because they're going to have first-time buyers, downsizers, and investors, investors all chasing them at the same time. Uh, so the, the builders are obviously going to gravitate to the more expensive homes. So, so far, I think we're telling you guys what mostly what you know. Most of you who have listened to this podcast every day, you're smart agents, smart business owners, and you've heard us talking about all this stuff before, especially inflation. We've been drilling down about inflation for the last two years. What we're going to be talking about the rest of this week is some of the other predictions that get into the weeds a little bit. For example, we're going to be talking about buyer agency, as in agents who have uh, essentially their sole income source working with buyers. We're going to talk about that. We're going to talk about the fact that that's probably not going to be a viable source of business as much as it has been in the past. We're going to talk about what comes after the iBuyer essentially reset from Zillow failing. There are going to be uh, ripples that come from that. They're going to last essentially forever the ibuyer model as it is even though there's two viable players left is gonna be one of these things that these guys are gonna have a hard time uh keeping alive and i'll just encapsulate why i buyers raise money to buy houses they're like the open doors and all that they have to borrow money to buy the houses they're building their businesses based on borrowed money if all of a sudden the people lending the money wall street are seeing zillow fell on their ass, blew up, didn't work out. The cost to raise the money to buy the houses is going to increase. That means is the cost of raising that means they're gonna have to make their margins somewhere. So what the iBuyers buyers are going to have to do is they're going to have to lower the prices that they're buying the houses for. So the eye buyers themselves, because of Zillow's failure are going to become less of a player in your market when it comes to actually trying to get listings. They're going to have to pay more, to borrow the money to buy the houses that they're buying, and they're going to have to pay less for the houses that they're buying, which means they're not really going to be competition for you anymore. That's what's going to happen. And that
1: should wreck their model in the process, I would think.
0: Well, they're going to be essentially chasing the um, distressed real estate.
1: Which they're, there's not much of. Which
0: there's not much of, and the distressed real estate can sell for full retail anyway. Mm-hmm. So what they're going to be dealing with is they're going to be dealing with the realities of essentially that all of us, normal market forces, yeah. they're not going to be market makers they anymore. They have to compete for real. I mean, that's what Zillow tried to yeah. do. They tried to be a, Zillow, uh, a market maker and didn't work out. We're going to be talking about teams. You know, what's next for teams? We're going to be talking about buying leads, essentially, right? You know, your branding and your buying leads and all that. We're going to be talking about specifically what's happening in that, what the major trends are with regards to brokerage. We're going to be talking about some of the things that you guys need to be aware of so that you can position yourselves Um, for the next wave of technology, which is the other topic we're going to talk about, which is going to be the things that are going to happen with regards to connectivity. We've talked about the global reach that uh, the uh, widespread 5G Internet is going to have, but the other thing we're going to start talking about is something that will really blow your guys' mind with regards to synchronicity, and we're going to talk about the adaptation of wearable technology that, again, will forever change the way all of us interact. And we've, again, we've talked about this. If you guys are regular podcast listeners, you've heard Julie and I vamp on these topics before, but we're going to see all of this stuff come to fruition starting in 2022. Be excited. You're in the right place at the right time. Don't get stuck in the weeds with your thinking. Don't get stuck in the weeds with your actions that you're taking. Know that 2022 is going to be the start of the greatest part of your career and probably the greatest part of your lives if you choose for it to be. It does not matter what your age is. It does not matter what your education level is. It does not matter where you're selling real estate. It does not matter where you are in the world. The best part of your life starts next year or really it could start today. Now. Yeah, there you go. You don't have to wait. Why wait? wait? <laughs> you guys have a fantastic day. We'll talk to you on the show tomorrow.
1: This podcast is a part of the C-Suite Radio Network. For more top business podcasts, visit c-suiteradio.com.